Hello and welcome to another episode of the Indie Alternative Podcast. It's me, Chris. On this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Magnus Svenningsen of The Cardigans. I was and still am a massive fan of the band, so it was an absolute joy to speak to Magnus. Uh, Magnus talks about his musical influences and the early days of the band, how they were formed. Also, some of the writing and recording processes that they've had over the years. Um, And, you know, their love of British music, especially the 90s bands and and the scenes that were happening around that time. We talk a bit about that. And we also talk about his solo projects and uh, music that he's been creating uh, in the last few years. I've put links to all of that in the show notes. So please go and check it out because it's brilliant. Um, just before we hit the interview, just to have a quick reminder of all the ways that you can support this podcast. So don't forget to follow me on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Also, as you know, I do all this without any advertising and I'm not part of any network. So if you want to buy me a virtual coffee to support the podcast in that way, it really helps. And that link is also in the show notes. And finally, as I say every week, if you want to spend a couple of minutes writing a quick review and rating the podcast... That is also really ace. Anyway, that's it for the waffle. Here's Magnus. Welcome to the podcast, Magnus. How are you? Thank you, Chris. I'm really well. I've been having a long walk with our French she bulldog named Benny this evening in Malmo. So I just got in like uh, 20 minutes ago. So you feel fresh and refreshed? Yes, I am. It's it. <laughs> Uh, me and my wife we decided to get a dog so we both could get out more often and you know get those 10,000 steps a day and and, uh, winter has been absent here in Sweden so it's been quite nice you know no snowstorms really Uh, so it's been pretty nice oh good you've been out um, obviously lockdowns affected everybody I don't want to ask the dreaded question but obviously it's impacted musicians and um, but you, you started to get back out there, haven't you? I've seen some pictures on, on social media of you starting to rehearse. Is that right? Yeah. Um, for the Guardians, yes, we are rehearsing a few times now because uh, we have some gigs in the summertime. Um, I have a solo project, an instrumental band called Raw, which means raw in mm-hmm. Swedish. Uh, we did six shows right when... Um, lockdown was cancelled in Sweden uh, right before Omicron came back mm. and I also played with my friend Jenny Wilson who is an electronica um, pop singer in Sweden so I've been, uh, I was really happy to start playing live again um, back in October, November December. And what's it been like, and that's a silly question but what's it been like getting in a room with other musicians after so long? You know in a way I think, I think lockdown was maybe harder for technicians because you know they depend on musicians and bands to go out on tour and and, you know make a living i was working on music and i was a work part-time at school so my life wasn't really that affected of course you know there were no shows to either play or attend that Mm. was uh that was boring but not really not really devastating, mm. uh, but it was, of course, really, really nice to start playing and you could see the audience that came, they were really into it. Um, so I think, I think generally this, this lockdown has been harder on the people who don't have a creative output. You know, anyone who's working at, a, at an office 
that don't have a creative output in any sort. You know, it could be baking or gardening or, you know, knitting or writing poems or whatever. I think, I think at least in Sweden, there's been a big gardening boom and also, you know, but like the old crafts coming back, like Nina's, you know, Nina was in a, in a pottery uh, show on Swedish TV. Uh, it's an excellent potter. Uh, maybe you know she's she's brilliant. So it seems like old. I don't. Maybe it was the same thing in the UK that that the these old you know crafts coming back because uh, people have time and um, you can only watch that much Netflix. I think that's true. We we yeah. went we definitely went craft mad in the UK and baking mad. That was the thing we yeah. out, we, we sold out of flour and everything you can imagine to do with baking, but. In order to be a you know happy person, happy human being, you have to balance, you know, what you produce and what you consume. Mm. Uh, and you know, at moments when you when I've been cons- uh, consuming too much, uh, I feel there's something like a benign feeling in the body, like something not right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people need to produce things. It's good for people to you know to produce. Yeah whatever it is so i love gardening um i should take up more baking uh i wish i had the patience for pottery but um producing is good for people when you've been getting back together and deciding on the set list i mean do you do you have old favorites that you go to or is it quite challenging to think of the right songs to play uh well we try to you know play half the set from the 90s and half from the you know oo or whatever you yeah. call it the yeah, noughties yeah. noughties yeah <laughs> um, um but lately nina has shown interest in playing some really old songs which is kind of new to us you know we had when we since we made gran turismo we sort of like never looked back on our really early stuff and it seemed um as we grew older, uh, I think for Nina, at least, to sing those lyrics, partly written by me, uh, seemed, they seemed out of place when we were trying to like promote Long Gone Before Daylight or Super Extra Gravity. It was almost like uh, Nina said that she might even had to wear a costume to be able to sing those songs. Yeah, yeah. And then she realized, yeah, maybe she will. Like... First, she thought it was like a joke because, like, no, I, I could never do that persona again. But then, like, what if I wear a costume or a certain kind of dress or whatever that would that would be like that that sixties retro thing? Maybe you know. Uh, so she picked up two really old songs that we started to rehearse yesterday, actually, uh, for the first time in twenty six years. Wow, were they any of these two? Now I'm holding no. up to the camera. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Sick we and should. tired and carnival, which yeah. I have on cassette. Yeah, that's great. That's a <laughs> yeah, that's a great uh, great format. Yeah, uh, classic. We sometimes play carnival. It, it happens quite a lot. Not this summer though, but we we we've, we've been playing it a lot. Uh, and same thing for loveful. Like uh, I think. Maybe like four years ago, we played in Moscow and St. Petersburg, and and uh, we thought like, yeah, we'll we'll add Love Fool because we sort of 
we are we have to whatever mm -hmm. and then we realized what impact that song had because you could tell that there were, there were a lot of uh, people from the gay community in the audience and you could say there was like their anthem mm. and, and you know guys crying in front of the stage and, and lesbian couples dancing and and suddenly that song had a meaning again yeah maybe yeah. I mean for the first time that the repressed people, the gay people in community in, in Russia, they came for that song and we played it to them. And it was very, very emotional. So um, I guess we started to be a bit kinder to our old material. Yeah. Not so harsh. And well, sick and tired, we haven't played in a long time, but I, I think Nina will get to that, to that one as well. Oh, good. Put, well, a good put a good word in for me. Yes, <laughs> or maybe just wait for her to to find out herself. Yeah, um, but making a set list is uh, it could be tricky. You know, we all have our favorites or the ones we dislike. Uh, but I like to say the whole life is a well, the whole the entire life is a negotiation. Yes, right. So um, uh, there are a few songs that Nina refuses to sing at least so far. She might get back to them. There are a few ones that uh, I don't care too much about to play, but I play them anyway because like during Erasing the Wind, I normally think about what's for breakfast next morning. Because <laughs> we normally stay at very nice hotels. Um, I do play them well, but I don't really care for that song. But it, I know people like it and I like breakfast. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, what what album do you find yourself drawn to the most out of your back catalogue? Because each of them are are very different, I'd say, and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I guess approaching the writing for them might be deemed as you know not to say they're concept albums, but they are they are, they seem structurally different. They is that something that you come together to think about in terms of that writing? And was there any album that you kind of you still now look back on and think, God, oh, that's a that's a belter from start to finish? Um, I guess we all think that Long Gone is our best record and um, it took a lot of effort to, to make to make it um, we didn't work together for almost two years I had panic attacks and I was out of the band for a long time and I made a solo record Nina made a camp her mm -hmm. solo project um, and then we sort of went on group therapy in, in LA in a house for like 10 days to two weeks. Um, and it wasn't that far from some kind of monster, but we didn't hire a therapist, but <laughs> the same scars between us as with Metallica, you know, yeah. um, it's like a, a scarred family in, in some ways, because the pressure in the music industry does make you vulnerable and it could hurt. Um, so I was away for like one and a half, two years from the band. And of course, Nina, being the singer, she had, you know, always had to be very protective. And everyone's like trying to get a piece of her. So um, we had to mend ourselves and the band in order to make that record. So I think for us, that's always going to be our pinnacle. Um, and then when we made Super Extra Gravity, we realized that, okay, we have to do something different the last time, even though that was our best record, we yeah. can't cope with it. So we tried to be, you know, trying to, we could easily have done a part two sound wise, 
that we really worked on getting it, you know, like uh, gnarlier and more obnoxious than uh, the more Fleetwood Mac-ish yeah. uh, sounding long gone. And they're both fantastic oh, albums. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we're, we're really, really proud of them. And I think if not for that uh, work we did, like 01, 02, you know, those two records would never have been recorded and we would never play now. And we were um, uh, voted into the Swedish Music Hall of Fame. That would never have happened. Mm. You know, the legacy of the band and the fact that we've been playing live now for 10 years as someone like a summer vacation job. Yeah. Uh, and it's really so much fun still. That would never happen for if it wasn't for those two records, um, 03 and 05. And and hearing other other artists, you know, uh, cover them and play them must be quite an honour, I guess, as well. Yeah, I was really surprised to see Miley Cyrus do uh, communication, uh, even though... I think our version is better, but you know we were still honoured. Uh, mm. It was Kelly Clarkson as well, I think. Love and, for, uh, yeah, right. Uh, then uh, Peter, our, our guitar player, he was working with Miley on a few tracks, maybe like a year ago. So that's why she did communication. I think right. Used to be, well, she was a fan, and then they then they met in in Los Angeles, and uh, yeah. so that was really an honor, you know, to have such a superstar, yeah, song, um, which is for us more important than loveful. That that song is, um, I can't describe how that song makes me feel. It's it's it just does something. It transcends so much other music, I, I and it, it's. It's such a simple song, but it means, I guess it just means a lot to so many people. And it's well, so well written and it's beautifully uh, crafted. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're really, it was voted our best song by Swedish radio listeners. And yeah. it was never a single. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I do think it means a lot to a lot yeah. of people. Uh, and it's nice to play and it has this like a somber quality and uh, you know, it's like we bring down the tempo, and like, okay, now we're going to perform communication. This is a special moment. <laughs> you see people crying in the front row, and I'm singing along to the lyrics, and uh, you know, it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's a humbling, humbling feeling to see people from all around the world singing the lyrics that Nina wrote. Yeah, and you can see that they get into it as much. You know, it's really, really, really nice. You know, when those those sort of lyrics and that, that album starts to take shape, is there something that happens to you? Are you feeling like, or, or whenever something starts to click and resonate, is there a is there a moment where you'll go, okay, this is this is special, this is different, and 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 are you do you get do you feel pressured and stressed about that situation, whether it's going to take off or whether people are going to embrace it? How does it feel in the studio? Um, Long Gone and Super Extra Gravity we, we were, they were made more of a, a team effort of course Peter always write the music and mm. presents, present the songs to us um, by sending demos or, or we, we gather and, and listen to you know, his ideas and then he has very vague uh, sometimes he has vague lyrical 
ideas, but more like he's singing something gibberish, but he knows how the, the, this vocal melody are, is supposed to be. You know, mm-hmm. so he, always, he always writes the vocal melodies as well. Uh, but then, then it's Nina or sometimes my work to put words to it. So like, for instance, the song You're the Storm, mm-hmm. where the chorus is, because uh, you're, you're the storm that I believe in. And Peter was singing like, she looks just like Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> she looks just like Sigourney Weaver. And we, of course, all agreed that we have to do something about that line. It's <laughs> a good song. <laughs> yeah. So, so Peter works, but he, he, he's not a lyric guy and he's never wanted to be, or, or, you know, he never saw himself as someone who writes, writes, writes lyrics. But um, uh, he is a damn fine songwriter yeah. and always been. Um, so I guess, you know, whenever Nina starts, scrabble some words and thinking of you know like communication Peter actually came with that title and uh, he had something with uh, I think he had like I disconnect if this is communication I disconnect that was one of his lines that he came with and Nina started to to scrabble uh, those lyrics and instantly it felt like a cardigan song Mm. because before Nina adds her vocals it could be like yeah you know it could fit a lot of singers but once she has her tone, it's like, yeah, this is our song, even in, even in, in the very beginning. Peter knows like Nina's range and he has a very, you know, distinctive way of writing vocal melodies that fit perfectly in the arrangement. Because uh, he's like, he's, you know, considerate of the guitar and, and the bass and so on. Uh, um but then we actually worked more together, making se- you know making sessions for when we did Long Gone and also Super Extra Gravity, to to mold the arrangements more yeah. like you know old school like playing and playing and playing and playing but to you, get that feel. You were a metal though. You were a rock guy before you even started. Is that right? I think. Well, I don't know how how it was in 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 the UK, but back in the in Sweden in the eighties. Uh, it was kind of simple because you were either Depeche Mode fan or you were into Iron Maiden, Dio, and <laughs> White Snake and stuff. Yeah. And then there's like occasional one or two Rastas, and that was it. <laughs> so you, you picked, you know, you choose one of these one of these teams. Yeah. So both, both Peter and I, we um, we were hard rockers back then, but we also met because we were we were tired of that. Genre and and uh, it felt very uh, demented hmm. way. So we, um, I discovered Cure, and then I met Peter, and we both went in deep into the Manchester scene and the the Smiths, the Sundays, a lot of four AD creation records. Um, and in our old hometown, Yonshipping, it's like quite religious, quite conservative. There's not really pop culture. So the amount of people who were into the Smiths, they it's like less than 10, I would think. A few more like Charlatans and Stone Roses and Verve and etc. But um, so that's you know we that's how we formed. We were really into British pop music. And I think 
you know, yeah, that's that's that that was how we were brought up in, yeah. in the Carnies back in '92. It was it was really a lot of British pop music, and then eventually it it made you know more '60s music came after that. Because I think that's where the, the well, certainly for the attraction for me was listening to songs from uh, Emmerdale and those those tracks, Carnival mm-hmm. and Sick and Tired. It had that, yeah, that we were obviously the, the British music scene was uh, during the, the obviously the, the mid nineties. That whole Britpop thing was looking back at the sixties and seventies and and dragging that kind of era into into the into the nineties. And I guess yeah. you were doing something that was really. So it had that Euro pop feel to it, but also had the same guitar riffs and the same guitar sounds. And it, it really resonated. I think, I think that's why that album in particular for British music, music fans was really successful and really influential. Yeah. Well, I think uh, for, for better or worse, the, the records were quite quirky. And then, you know, we really were inspired by the B side of Abbey road, of course, you know, um, in the studio where we recorded in Malmö, the tambourine studios, it was like 16 track tape and an old BBC Neve desk. I oh, right. a lot of vintage instruments everywhere. And um, it's like a big kindergarten. And our producer Tore, he, um, he didn't really like the, the Sundays and the Smiths. He wanted us to get away from that thing rather yeah. than adding... Um, those old vintage organs or a flute or, you know, a vibraphone or, you know, whatever weird instruments. Um, and then it sort of created something that wasn't really made before. And, you know, of course, Nina's vocals to it, you could hear the influences, of course. Um, yeah. But I think... It was us and the wanted eyes from Sweden who, who were who were able to sell sand to the Arabs, like you know, selling <laughs> pop, pop to UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was considered an impossible thing. Yeah. But I guess I guess uh, at least for uh, for us, we 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 uh, we offered something that no other British band was doing. Yeah. I guess you yeah. know, uh, almost and also like Björk, our lyrics might be a little strange you know she writes her lyrics in Icelandic and then translate them directly into English right and um, since English is not our first language you know naturally we couldn't write on the same level as as British bands but maybe it had a unique character anyway we never really understood any of the reviews in enemy and Melody make because they were they were they were written in a very strange you know, we can never figure out do they like it or not. <laughs> I don't think anyone else could either. In, you know, even British bands because they had so much power. No, it, it's, it's it feels like the music journalism had more power than musicians back in the nineties, yeah, and yeah. I don't think it was a very good <laughs> situation. Magnus, what about Righteous Boy then? In your solo material, you you know, when you obviously had these periods of time when the Cardigans weren't doing anything or taking respites. How different was it for you then to start writing and to start recording on your own? Um, well, there's, uh, here's our French bulldog barking. <laughs> it was a long time since I thought about Righteous Boy, but uh, that came right after I had my like uh, emotional breakdown. I was 26 and 
as in, in Sweden, we say you went into the wall. Right. That's when you get like, you know, you're exhausted and you, and you get panic attacks and, and you, have, you know, I don't know what the term is. Anxiety doesn't seem the right, strong enough really. But but then I started to write uh, songs uh, and it was a very tender period in my life, but also in a way righteous because I felt like I was about to rebuild myself um, away from the business and uh, the songs I wrote and sang, they, they felt sort of pure in a way. But now in, a, in hindsight, it's like, you know, when you're 10, 10 years old and in school, you do something in the woodwork and you're really fucking proud of it then. But looking back, it's like, oh. <laughs> but I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I did that record. You know, it meant a lot then. Uh, it brought me back into the band as a positive force, as opposed to being grumpy and and in a very, very um, bad uh, sick, uh, mental state. Mm. So I had to take a break. That was right when we were supposed to tour with Gran Turismo, uh, winter of eight, 98, 99. Uh, and I had to call in a re- replacement bass player because uh, I couldn't, you know, my hands were shaking, my whole body was shaking, and I was in a really bad state. Mm. But nowadays I have my own solo band, Raw. Is this a found? If you founded this this out this band, then yeah, Raw. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I was, hold a sec. I'm, I got the record today. Oh, the cool. New one. Yes. Ah. Oh wow! Yes. <laughs> this is our our two cats. That's good. Yeah, uh, like, uh, like yeah. Here's the website. So this one, I'm actually. Uh, it's an instrumental. And I don't know if you had, have you heard anything from us? I haven't. No. So this is, oh, you know, what, what was really it like? Rec- we really recommend it. <laughs> um, this, record it. Is, uh, this record is a uh, covers record. So um, the first side is two songs by Spiritualized. I think I'm in love and take your time. Mm-hmm. And the second B side is four songs from a friend of mine living in Stockholm called Henrik von Euler. How did this come about then? Does it was it similar to you know other projects that you've done and you know, wanting to just make music with other different people and different artists? In a way, um, it's I started to get interested in in the German electronic crowd thing and discovering Brian Eno's music and you know Harmonia Cluster. Um, back like 10 years ago when I quit smoking uh, I started to get into ambient music because it was good to you know for my withdrawal of nicotine yes Um, and uh, it was interesting to dive into a music scene that was so different from pop music like how the structure is Uh, it was intriguing to because I think this must have been 2012 maybe yeah so I don't know if there were any interesting bands around, but for me, it was like opening a, a you know, a closet like in uh, in Narnia, uh, yeah. with a lot of interesting stuff. Um, so I started to collect vintage keyboards and make music, uh, like drones and stuff. Uh, and it was like I can't play keyboard really, you know. I've 
very bad motor skills. So I couldn't make like a piano music. I had to do something different, uh, but still hopefully find, you know, catch something uh, to make it emotional. And then um, I met up with a producer here in town and we started to make the first record and uh, we got really, really good reviews from those very powerful, mighty music journalists in Stockholm. <laughs> so um, just like with the Guardians, I, uh, I managed to strike something, you know, some some nerve that made people interested in what, you know, the music. Um, and uh, it was the first time I made instrumental music. I never wanted to sing anymore. I didn't have any lyrics to write, really. Mm. So then uh, the challenge of making, I wasn't really interested in, like, making pure ambient because it, it could be quite, you know, could you say drowsy? Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so instead we, you know, we had a um, bass clarinet player coming in to add like the Nordic jazzy, the sound of the forest coming in and, you know, different things like spiritualized has been there. And my interest in dub music, and African music is in there. So you could hear, you know, bits and pieces of that in, in the music of it all. Can we get it in the UK, a physical copy of the vinyl, or is that is that? Yeah, uh, I actually just communicated with uh, Piccadilly Records in Manchester. They had the previous record, uh, and they, but it was just sold out. And I told them today that the new record is coming out. Oh, cool! And they were happy, and I also think Norman's had a few and Monorail up in Glasgow, but maybe I've sold twenty records total in UK. Then again, I, you know, I'm sure the music. Since it's instrumental, it's just like we have this small record label. It's three of us from the Cardians and three more friends. It's called Malme Indre. Here's Benny. Benny, go to mama. <laughs> Benny. Wants to get involved. Go to mama. Yeah, he's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. You know what a grumpy Frenchie could look like. Yeah. He's like mm. <laughs> Uh, so we have this record la- uh, sorry we have this record label called Malmö Inre which means inner Malmö uh, where we release uh, our own stuff and sometimes uh, music from from people out, out, outside Malmö yeah uh, and it's been lovely to have you know your own label even though we've been selling millions and millions and millions of records with the Cardians the feeling of you know biking up to the local record stores to deliver our own records it's like yeah yeah back to basic and it's like this is my record and it's not uh, financed or distributed by universal it's like it's us yeah and i take my bike up to deliver it it's very very nice Um, and it feels pure the same you know uh, what a good way to sort of reconnect with that kind of that that whole process in a, in a way that's been obviously absent for so long, I'm guessing. Yeah. But yeah, because Cardians was, and still is like a big business, you know, mm. we sold maybe 10 million records and we'd been touring since the mid nineties, you know, that's, that's, that's been a lot of money. Involved. Yeah. And, uh, it felt like uh, not always that we were in control. Mm. It was like being pushed forward by, by the machine. 
uh, and we experienced a lot of wonderful things, of course, and we've been fortunate to play around the world, but we're still part of the machine. Yeah. Uh, and this feels, you know, with our own label, it's just, I love like ordering merchandise, you know, making up t-shirt designs and patches and, you know, posters and stuff like that. Mm. It's very, very basic. Um, we even have our own coffee brand for raw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because our cool. friends had coffee uh, uh, roastery and a um, coffee shop. Oh, Not okay. a Dutch coffee shop, but obviously, but a cafeteria, cafe. Uh, so they make a brand for us, and I sell it on the in a merch shop when we play with Raw. You know, it's really, really fun. Ah. It's just damn fun to do this. <laughs> and actually do, you know, once we're done with the playing, I just run out to the merchandise shop and... Uh, Stop selling like a you know a real vendor. So is the plan is the plan to continue with, with this project then and, and just to keep trying to produce music this way? Yeah, you know, I think it meant so much to to you know to invent something on my own. Like I could do this for a long time because I've been gathering so many vintage synthesizers by now. Yeah, um, and it's music that you know. It's not really youthful. It's not old either, but, you know, I, I no. can just do it. Um, like this little niche of mine, and we print records in 500 copies, and maybe, maybe you know, we can make a repress, but um, the music is available for everyone, but then it's just a matter of, you know, we don't have any marketing money, really, and, and um, I'm happy that Piccadilly Records in Manchester sell 10 records, you know. Yeah, yeah. Time. Because uh, they have a great website and they write small essays about each record that they recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's difficult for uh, non-Scandinavian people to find it on Spotify because there's this A with a ring above that only Sweden has. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Norway and Denmark as well. Magnus, what's the future then? I mean, I know you, you're going to continue to do stuff with the RAR and. But what about um, these dates with uh, the Cardigans? Are you? I think it's mainly Europe. Europe dates you're doing, isn't it? Uh, you're not planning to go further afield. To play. We really enjoyed playing in the UK two years ago uh, when we did the Grand Turismo shows because it was a really long time since we played in the UK. Um, but you know, we haven't been in Berlin since '06, right? Or Paris because we never got any good offers. Mm. And like, uh, so that's why we're really happy to play for the UK audience again. And like today, I put up a picture of, of uh, us playing in the rehearsal space, and a lot of people on the Facebook site said, "Okay, come to come to Idaho, come to Philippines, come to Canada, Chile, come to you know." And it's of course flattering, but at the same time, it's like we don't go, get to go anywhere unless there's a good bid. Mm. So it's like you better call your local promoter. Don't you know? It doesn't matter if you say, "Please, please, please come to Idaho." It's like, yeah, but it's not really up to us. Yeah. So we like we um, we only play one show in Norway. We play in one show in Denmark, and then Jakarta in Indonesia. Right. Yeah. Weird. Uh, and play one show and then go back. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been the case, like, 
like uh, the last, you know, the last five, 10 years, like we played a lot of times in Russia because we had bids coming from there. Mm-hmm. We played Mexico, Chile twice, but we had no bids coming from Germany. And it's kind of like, mm, it's kind of weird. Yeah. But next year, we hope to make a long one before daylight uh, show since it was 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, we tried to find oh, the old chandeliers and uh, we had like a chandelier with a disco ball, mirror ball inside it that was spinning. Yeah, yeah. But it's been gone for 24, 15 years. So yeah. no one knows. It's in Stockholm somewhere in a warehouse, but no one knows where it is. So we've been trying to get hold of it yeah. for a long time because we paid like 100,000 euros for it. <laughs> Because it was spinning and then like yeah. it was like special, obviously special made for us. But we hope that that tour is gonna you know go outside Scandinavia. Uh, but you know you never know. But but in Scandinavia for sure because the record was kind of big there and really popular. Hope to play you know London, Amsterdam, Paris, Hamburg, Berlin. Well, I shall be there, Magnus, if it's there. I shall do my very best. My wife and I will get front front row tickets if we can. That would be amazing to I see that. I you to come. <laughs> where are you situated? Uh, well, I'm in Southampton, which is uh, oh, yeah. a, an hour and a half, two hours from London. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, we do what we can with the kids and stuff. Obviously, it's difficult these days with the... Uh, you you with can lock the kids in. Yeah. Lock them in, in <laughs> yeah. a closet. <laughs> We do that anyway. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you go, Magnus. Um, it's been fascinating to, to talking to you, and I'm so glad we managed to sort it. Um, I do hope I get to see you uh, next year if it all comes together. And I will be checking out the Ra or the Raw. How would you pronounce oh, it? The Raw. Uh, like the, the letter A with a ring. I should be getting on it. Yes. Perfect. It's been so good, uh, Magnus. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Chris. It's been wonderful to me. You know, it's just, it feels, uh, you know, I don't speak English that often anymore. You know, I yes. used to be more fluent, but uh, I think it went, went well. Yes, it was good. Very good. I, did, I wouldn't even have noticed that it wasn't your first <laughs> language. <laughs> no, you do. Have a good evening. And you, take care. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.